Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're completing our series today called Rivers. Look at somebody and say, that river looks good in you. That river looks good in you. So we're not completing this season. Come on, we felt like that this has been kind of a building block series. We feel like it's been a series that's launching us into uh, what the Lord is doing here at Overflow Church. And so I'm so excited that you're here. I've just had a, a great anticipation all week for what the Lord wanted to do. And first service was just amazing. So Holy Spirit, come top it. We, we welcome you to do that. John chapter 7, verse 37, this is where we've spent our time in this series. Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Some translations say what? whole being, right? Your being. Rivers of, of, uh, rivers of living water will flow from within him. But we know as we've studied this is that it's actually the same Greek word for the word womb. So that's going to be really important today as we, as we uh, dive into the message. And when he said live, wi- living water, he was speaking of the spirit. So he wasn't just talking about your refreshing. He wasn't just talking about a good feeling or come to Jesus and just get a little joy. No, he was saying, he was speaking of the Spirit of God flowing, not flowing on you, right? Not a thing happening to you, but something going on inside of you and pouring out of you. And this is what this series has been about. It is about tapping into the river that's already there and allowing it to flow from our lives. And how do we get there? When we drink of Jesus, the river takes over. And so this is where we're at. There's a I did a little study in this week. In the early 1900s, in 1926, it started raining in the south. And it just kept raining for eight months. In August of, of 1926, began to rain. And then it, and then it be, continued into 1927. And that, is, that, that season, that period of time there, is known as the Great Mississippi Flood of 1927. And it changed everything. It changed the, the political environment. It, it changed the landscape. It changed uh, people's livelihood. There were th- hundreds of thousands of people that lost their homes. It was it was very destructive. There were a lot of efforts made to deal with what was going on. There were levees that were built. Y'all know what levees are or breakers that were built up around the river to keep the land from getting flooded because the mighty Mississippi was known to get flooded. So there was all this construction beforehand. All the preparation was done ahead of time to build these breakers to make sure that the river didn't get out of control. But I'm here to tell you today that in 145 places of the levees that were built, the river broke over. The river spilled over these places. All the, all the necessary, necessary things to prevent the river from flooding the land, all those things were done in vain because the river took over. So people were left homeless. Cities were destroyed. Hundreds of thousands were affected. Over 27,000 miles were influenced and affected by this river, by this flood. And man did uh, the best to, he could to kind of control that. But how many know that when the river is flowing like that, it's got to have somewhere to go? 
It's got to have somewhere to be released into. You just, it's, just, it's like a baby being born. Eventually, that baby is going to come out. I mean, you can only hold that baby in your belly for about nine months. But eventually, when it gets big enough, come on, when there's enough momentum, that baby is born. And this is what we see with this river. In fact, there was, it, was, it was growing in such a way and causing so much damage that, that they actually put dynamite in some of the levees that were built up and actually sacrificed a city, a small town, in order to relieve the river from its damage around the New Orleans area. And so what's the point? The point is, is when we drink of Jesus, the river takes over. And so many times we do things in our life to try to kind of contain the move of God right? To kind of restrain the move of God. Say, God, I'll let you move here, but we've learned that rivers move borders. But I'm here to tell you today that rivers don't just move borders. Rivers will break the borders. If you will allow the Holy Spirit to come in, he will, you, if you'll just say, yes, Lord, if you'll drink of Jesus, he will come in and he will, he will get rid and erode away all the junk in your life that's keeping his river from doing what it wants to do. I want to share with you a little bit about our prophetic history. I believe that is what's happening at Overflow Church. I believe that God is doing a work in here, in the midst of our people, in the midst of our movement, that God is moving in such a way that it's spilling over into your family. It's spilling over into your workplace. It's spilling over into our community. I see a community being transformed. I see, I see you laying hands on sick people at work and then getting healed. I'm seeing your kids with disabilities able to function now. I'm seeing, I'm seeing people that have of ADD actually being able to focus now. Why? Because the river is taking over. I'm seeing people get out of debt overnight because the river has taken over. I'm seeing addiction and, and bondage that you've built up in your life, that you've allowed to have free reign in your life for decades be broken in a moment. Why? Because the river takes over. And this is what we're believing for. So I want to share today a little bit of our prophetic history. We're talking not just about rivers, but we're also talking about wombs in this series because we know that it's out of the womb that the river flows in. And we didn't know it eight years ago. We had just had a house built in Amarillo. We, didn't, we had no idea. Overflow was not on our map. We thought we would pastor one day, kind of take over a a little church, maybe a little heart in church, and, you know, kind of go in and kind of, you know, foster it. Maybe they can pay me enough money so I can have a salary. Make sure we don't have to have any faith in it. Come on. We can just move into something comfortable, but God always likes to mess those ideas up. And so we had just had a house built. This is the fall, eight years ago, 2011. Leslie's pregnant. Which we believe to be twins, and she has a miscarriage. And we're broken. We're like, man, this is, we decided to have children again. We were going to have a couple more kids, and here she is. Disappointment sets in. It was a Thursday. That Sunday night, we had our friend, which we've talked about this a little bit before, our friend Ron Campbell, the prophet Ron Campbell. He was at our church in Amarillo. And that Sunday night, he had Leslie stand up, and he said he didn't know anything. He said, the tragedy that has befallen you within recent days will not happen a second time. You will bear more children. And God began to stir not just our hearts for our family, but at that time, God was also beginning to stir in me. I'd visited the Metroplex within about four times, three or four times. 
within that season. And every time I came during that fall, God was dropping and seeding the Metroplex in our heart to plant a church. We didn't want to plant a church, but to be out here and to pastor. And so we just, I, I didn't want to tell Leslie about it because we, you know, we're going through all this stuff. We just had a house built. Like, man, how is this going to happen? And finally, I began to share with Leslie the things that God was seeding in my heart. This is early 2012. And uh, we began to pray. No doors were open. We were looking for a church, you know, come in and, you know, maybe get a, maybe get a little salary and some people, a handful of people. And uh, we were, were there and just, been just trying to really believe God for what he would do. We, we had the name overflow. We knew what God wanted our church to look like, kind of. And so we just began to pray. We said, Lord, in, in our living room, we'll just start off in our living room. If we're going to plant, we'll just start in our living room. We'll share a meal together, minister Jesus to people. And we'll just kind of see what happens. And so God gave us several confirming words during that time. And, and there was just yes, yes, yes from heaven. And we were kind of like, okay, Lord, if this is what you want to do. That same year, 2012, that summer, we sat down with Pastor Nathan and Pastor Brooke, who weren't Pastor Nathan and Brooke. Nathan had been a, a student in our ministry in El Paso. And I, I talked to Nathan about us moving out there and planning. He said, man, I knew we would always do ministry together. I was like, yeah, you're really excited about that right now. And so do you remember that? Remember that phone call? And uh, so we sat down with Nathan and Brooke at Chili's in 2012, right at seven years ago. Chili's over here on Carrier. And we said, hey, we feel like God's called us out here to plant a church. You know that. Would y'all help us? Would y'all be our launch team? They were like, now they have all this kind of cool, like, strategy stuff. We didn't know what we were doing. We still don't know what we're doing. We said, would, you, would, you, would y'all come help us? Like, yeah, Papa. You know, Nathan's all excited. They were young. They weren't married. You know, they, you know probably, what, 19 or 20. Just turned 19. Me too. I just turned 19. And... uh so we began to do this thing. One thing that I, I didn't share with you is that during this time of us planting, Leslie got pregnant with Elisa, our daughter that you guys see around here. And so the prophetic word that was spoken over us began to take place. And as, as we began to start the church and the church began to grow, so did her womb. And then in 2013, in January, right after we started the church, Elisa was born. And it's, she's always been a picture of not just, not just our child, not just our baby, but also the promises of God. I remember laying in bed that night. Remember, babe? We were laying in bed that night after we got that word. I don't know if it was that night, but it was right around that time when we started looking for a name God has promised. We, back, we, we chose the name based on its meaning, which I highly recommend. And so we, we, were, we were looking on Google, what, what name means God has promised? We ran across the name Elisa. We said, God has promised. God has promised us more children. God has promised us a church. We feel like we're moving into what God has called us into. Then we, we moved out of the house. and moved, We were meeting on Saturday nights. We rented a church. Couldn't grow in the church. We had this, this family show up. They're, they're here today, and, uh, which is crazy that you guys are here today. And uh, we felt like that there was this seed that God had given us about opening wombs of women. And it really came out of this moment that Leslie had. And so this woman and her husband show up at our church. It had a miscarriage. that had all this stuff. I think she had just gotten pregnant. We prayed over her that night, and we felt like that was very significant that the Jones family was there that night. They, it was just you two at the time. 
And God did a work. She got pregnant. We eventually moved to Sunday mornings. And then two years ago, I'm giving you a lot of history here. Two years ago, we were, we were praying. There were a lot of women in our church, a church our size, that were barren. And we were like, Lord, what is up with that? Like that we're, we're just not okay with all this barrenness. We're not okay with all this infertility. And so there was a, a woman that had, I think they were been trying to have, they're no longer with us, but she'd been having, trying to have babies for a while, and she miscarried. We were, we were super excited for them when they found out we were pregnant, and then she miscarried, and we were super broken for her. And so Leslie was up here. as a Saturday night. We were praying during the furnace, and Leslie was praying really over her, just praying that God would comfort her and comfort this, you know, this spirit of despair that was there. And I was, she was praying right here on the microphone. And when she's praying, I was standing right back over there, back over where Lindsay was, and I was pacing. I was praying, which is a good thing to do when you pray is pace. It's good. And so I was, I was back there pacing, and God speaks to me. He says, Overflow Church is going to be the house of the open womb. And I was like, okay. So I ran up here and got the microphone, and I started declaring that and praying it. Father, Overflow Church is going to be the house of the open womb. And you all have heard that. We, we started declaring that. We started believing that. Within about 10 months, we had nine or 10 babies in our church. Some of those were born during that season. Some of them have were pregnant, and they started attending our church, and we started in a church our size. Our church was even smaller than it is now, and we saw all these babies, and so we had to move to two services, and we started to make all these things. We didn't have to move to two services because we had adults. It's because we had so many babies. Our hands were full, and so we, we felt like we had that word. We have all these babies being born. Well, this summer, they're just beginning to be a stirring in our heart, and we're just like, God, what, what are you doing at Overflow Church, what are you doing in, in our womb? What are you doing in our spirit? Like we sense something is happening. We, we sense a shift is happening. And I had had this series, this river series planned for, you know, about a year probably at that point. But it just kept getting delayed. And I felt like, man, it's just, it's really time to bring this message. It's time for us to enter into some things. We're real hungry for the Holy Spirit. We want to see God do something. We, we sense some groanings there, but we're ready for more. And we started seeing women get pregnant again. And Leslie, Leslie, I think it was Leslie the one that said it. She said, it's like we're having the second wave of the open womb. I said, oh, yeah, it is. And then as we started to pray and as I started thinking about this series, I was reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46, where it says, first comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. And I felt like the Lord was saying, you know what? The first phase of the open womb was the natural. I was opening the natural womb. But the second one, we're doing the natural and we're doing the spiritual. I'm opening the womb of your spirit as a church. But I said, yes, Lord, we'll take it. We want revival. We want to, we want to move it. We don't want, we're done with church as normal. We don't want to just come and sing a couple songs and hear a message and go home. We want transformation. We want to encounter the Lord. We never set out to have a big church and, you know, just come and do, jump through all the hoops. We're done with that. We want to see a move of God. So we're praying. Jesus, in John chapter 3, verse 5, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the, ki the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. There it is. First comes the natural, then the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. First comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. And I feel like as a church, we are experiencing a rebirth. It's not that God hasn't done a lot of cool things, but God is building upon what he has done. So he says, you should, must not be surprised when I say be born again. Be born a second time. 
And so we're sensing this. We see this new wave happening, pregnancies. Then we get this miracle. See, two years ago when we were praying that, there was a woman on our staff, Pastor Brooke, who was saying, Lord, I want to have a baby. She's been very vulnerable. We all know Pastor Nathan and how tender he is and how good he is with kids and people. Man, they were really, they were really wanting in on that wave. They were really wanting in on that, that open womb thing. And they're praying, we're praying, we're all contending. Two years, God gives me this word. First comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. So on August 4th, Sunday, about 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, Leslie and I are sitting on the couch recovering from a Sunday morning like always. Then I get a FaceTime from Nathan. And Brooke's showing us these 50 tests that she's took to confirm that she was pregnant. Nathan's dancing. They're celebrating. We're rejoicing with them. And when the Lord did that, and I did not, and I've been very careful. I've been, guys, I don't really want to, this is your story. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to just t- take that and run with it. I don't want to steal your thunder. And they've been very gracious about it. And Pastor Brooke will share later this month probably a little bit more of the detail. But I felt like when she shared that, it was a prophetic statement that God was saying, I am doing something new. First came the natural, the timing You just can't write this stuff. You can't make this stuff up. The timing is just impeccable. It is amazing how God is doing this thing in her womb. And through her and Nathan's relationship, as them being people, pioneers of this church. It's significant. And I hate that they had to wait two years, but the timing is on. Let me just say that God's delays are not God's denials. We've got to remember that, beloved. And I just, I watched this couple for two years. Ask, seek, knock, pray, cry out. Be vulnerable, be real, have conversations. All of it. We did it with them. Every night, every night we gather our kids. Lord, open up the wombs. Open up Pastor Brooks' womb. Open up Pastor Charlotte's womb. Lord, open the wombs. Fulfill dreams. Fulfill the destinies that you have for these people. I mean, we were praying for this for two years. Longer than that. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, keep on asking and you receive. You'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Well, I prayed about it, but God didn't answer my prayer. Pray again. I fasted. Fast again. I was been seeking the Lord, and then just nothing happened. Seek again. I believe this. I believe some of you have dreams that are 30 years old. Dream again. Ask again. Why did you quit asking? Don't stop asking, beloved. It says ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on. I guess it just wasn't God's will. Listen, sometimes it was God's will that you just knocked one more time. Sometimes it's not the will of God at all. It has nothing to do with the will of God at all. Sometimes it has to do with your will. Are you willing to pray? 
Are you willing to seek? Are you willing to knock? Are you just willing to knock at the door? And this is exactly the context that Jesus is talking about. This woman who came up, a persistent woman, just kept coming. She just kept knocking. And he's not withholding you like an angry father. Look what it says. This was for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. Of course not. That's not what a good father does. See, some of us are, are, are afraid to ask God for things because he's going to give us something harmful or he's going to give us something that we don't want. Listen, this is what I found from God. A lot of times it's, it's not necessarily what I want initially, but after I get that gift, I'm like, wow, this is, this is way better. This is a better gift. I mean, I thought it was going to be this good, but it's so much better. So Jesus is saying, listen, if you ask for a fish, your father is not going to give you a snake. Even, even sinful, broken, wicked men don't do that to your kids. So if your sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? How much more? If you're good and you say, man, I would never do that to my kid. How much more? How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 1 by this woman named Hannah. Now, the story is significant because without Hannah, you get no David. You get no... Solomon, you get no temple. And if you really want to get down to it, you don't really get Jesus. Because this is the line that Jesus comes from. So here's Hannah, a barren woman who has a sister wife. If you know what that is. That makes fun of her because she's barren. And the scriptures tell us in 1 Samuel that year after year they go to the temple and she mocks her because of her barrenness. And the reason why she mocks her is because Hannah is favored by her husband. She's treasured. And because of her favor from her husband, she's attacked by someone who has what she would like to have. So year after year, they go to the temple. Year after year, praying the same prayer. Year after year before the Lord. Knocking. Seeking. Asking, Lord, would you open my womb? So she tells the Lord, Lord, if you will give me a child, I'll give him back to you. If you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. See, sometimes the gift that God wants is the gift that he gave you. Sometimes the gift that God wants is the gift that he gave you. And so she says, Lord, and she's, she's praying. Scripture tells us this, that she's distressed. In fact, she's so distressed, she doesn't even have words. All she has is tears. 
weeping in the temple before the Lord. Lord, open my womb. Again, here I am. I'm facing ridicule. I'm out of words. So she's there. She's muttering with her mouth, but no words are coming out. They're all gone. And Eli, the priest, sees her, and he accuses her of being drunk. Why are you in here drinking? Why are you in God's house drinking? She said, sir, I'm not drinking. She says, my heart is in distress. And he says, may God grant you according to your request. And it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19. It says the entire family got up the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. And they returned home, then they returned home to Ramah. And when Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. The Lord remembered her plea, and in due time, she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel. She said, I asked the Lord for him. His name will be Samuel because I asked the Lord for him. I know that you've cried. I know that you've prayed. I know that you've knocked. I know that you've seeked. But I'm here to tell you today that God is a God who remembers he remembers what you prayed for. He remembers what you wept for. Several years ago, I want to say it's about four, maybe five years ago, we had a woman in our church, a barren woman in our church. It just keeps happening. But let me tell you what else keeps happening. God keeps opening wombs. So here she is. It's the end of the year. And I said, I was praying about her. I was praying about our message that day. And I, I ran across the passage in Psalm 56, 8, where it says, where David makes a statement. He says, Lord, you remember our tears. You keep them in a bottle. And I asked the Lord. I said, God, what's up with that? Like, why? Why do you keep our tears in a bottle? Why do you remember our tears. I'm just trying to forget about my tears. I'm trying to forget about the tears of this woman. And he, he, he reminded me of Psalm 125.5 that says, because, he said, son, because those who sow in tears reap in joy. You know what your tears are? They're joy seeds. You will reap I watched for two years. And some of y'all, I'm still watching. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. This is the promise of my God. He is a miracle-working God. He is a promise-keeping God. He keeps, his, he keeps his promises. Listen, you can take it to the bank, baby. He does what he says he will do. And I want to suggest this to you. Personal miracles, like we've shared about the Hernandezes. Personal miracles are congregational miracles. Because we rejoice with those that rejoice and we weep with those that weep and we're family. And so when you have a miracle, we have a miracle. 
And when you go through trouble, we go through trouble with you. We're there. We're right there. We're not going anywhere. Personal miracles are congregational miracles. Revelation twenty two seventeen. This is my last verse today. The Spirit and the Bride. The Spirit, the Spirit of God and the Bride, us, the Bride of Christ, say come. See, it's the Spirit's idea that you ask God to do what He's going to do. It's His idea because He wants to fulfill that desire. The Spirit and the Bride say come. Let anyone who hears this say come. Would you say come? Would you say come? Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Anyone who hears this say come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Come and drink. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And when we drink of Jesus, the river takes over. So we heard about this in August. With the Hernandezes. And then about two weeks ago, they decided to, you know, put everybody else's baby announcements to shame. <laughs> that wasn't their intention. It's just, they're just quality, quality people. <laughs> and they wrote this song and they put this video on all the places. And it's been shared like several hundred times. It's got like tens of thousands of views. We, about 200 of those were ours. <laughs> and they start, they're singing the song. And we're just like watching the video going. We've been praying for you. We've been asking for you. You are a good father. I don't know if you got the words right. I know the melody, though, because we sang it around our house for like two weeks. So some of y'all, it might be just like their story. It might be a baby in the womb, but some of y'all, it's a different kind of baby. But you believe in God for something. And when they wrote that, I mean, it just got in our spirit. It's like it was not like, it's not even really like a Christian song, a worship song. It's just, they're just great. They, it is for them, it's a worship song, but they didn't write it so the churches would be singing it. Huh? It's just a lullaby. It's for their baby. And so they're singing it to their baby. And I'm saying that is a prophetic word for the hour. It's a prophetic word for you. It's a prophetic word for Overflow Church. It's, I, I think it's bigger, way bigger than Overflow Church. It's a prophetic word. It's not, a, not, not a, to be a hit single for that reason. It's not the intention. So I, I reached out to him this week, and I said, hey, guys, and y'all go ahead and come up. I said, I want you to sing that song at Overflow. And I, I was very careful. I just want you all to know this. I wasn't like, oh, y'all need to sing it. No, it was like, if you would, because I really felt like that there is something on this to revive hope in your heart for what you're believing God for. It might be a baby, but it might be a different kind of baby. What is your miracle? What do you believe in God for? What is the thing that you need the Holy Spirit to do in your life? Some of you, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a breakthrough 
of addiction. Some of you, it's a, it's a breakthrough from mindset. Some of you, it's healing in your body. What is it? What is it that you're believing God for? So when you hear this today, they're not performing this song. They're singing prophetically, first of all, to their baby. I won't take that. This precious baby. Little mijo or mija running around here. But it's a, it's a song about a move of God that is being birthed in your life in this church. And so I just, I asked them to come and I asked them to sing this. And I want you to, re, I want you to receive. Thank you.